And tonight I want to come along, I want to just look at a wee bit about mission, and mission at home specifically. But before I do, I want to read one, well, not one verse, but one little section from God's Word. So Matthew 28, and you'll know it well. If you want to look at this, because I'm going to be looking at lots of different verses tonight, but if you want to look at this, which probably gives a wee bit of an overarching view of everything, Matthew 28, turn to verse 16 until verse 20. One, verses you'll know really, really well, probably. So Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, onto a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Let's just pray before we look at God's word. Father, I pray that tonight you will help us. You will help us to see um, the great need that there is for us to be involved in mission. Father, I pray that you would speak that it won't be a matter of us talking about emotion or talking about different things. But Father, I pray that you would speak clearly into our lives and that you would call and you would challenge us about being involved. Father, I just pray you'll really help us that we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if any of you have any younger siblings. Um, like So younger brothers and sisters can be really, really annoying, okay? So probably know that the favorite question that a child asks is what? It is, why? Why can we not do this? Why can we not go here? Why will you not play with me? Why are you always grumpy? Why can I? And they constantly ask you all of these things. Uh, maybe, actually, you don't have younger siblings, but you have someone you live with or someone in school, and they're always asking you why. And you're like, stop asking, stop asking these questions. To be fair, we've probably been a little bit like that this past year. There's been lots of questions this past year or two we have had. Why? Why can I go to McDonald's with my mates, but I'm not allowed to go to my granny's house? Why can I not do this? Why can I not do that? Why do I have to wear a mask? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do all of this? And all of a sudden, we're asking lots of questions. Why? But think back two years ago, before coronavirus. We were still asking lots of questions. Why? Think back to when you used to go to big youth events, big camps, big church meetings and stuff. And you'd be doing loads of things. Maybe you'd have meeting with other Christians. It'd be big, massive worship evenings, coffee, donuts, socials, all the other things going on. And you're loving life and everything was all great. And you're just having loads and loads of fun until someone would then mention evangelism or mission. And why are you not doing it? And all of a sudden it just gets a bit awkward. And you're like, why do I have to mention that? Why do I have to bring all that up? Because everything was so much fun until all that came up. Because evangelism really is for, it's just for those type of people. A mission is more like for hardcore type of Christians. That's not really for us. It's not the sort of things we want to be involved in. Maybe you're prepared to be involved in, in your church clubs in the summer. Maybe you're prepared to be involved in maybe helping for a week just to keep everybody happy. Or you're happy to go and do a week somewhere else or go maybe on a, on a foreign mission team. You get a few nice photographs of you being somewhere else with with different children and stuff, and it's all great. But that's sort of, you go through a wee phase, you do that for a while. It's something you do, like as a rite of passage or, or for a bit of a, a time. It's not that something you want to do now, but there's maybe something always nagging away at you. 
What about the people around us? What about the boys and girls and young people around us? What about the ones in our schools? Should you be doing something about them? Should you be telling people there? Should you be involved in home mission? Automatically, our minds go and say, well, no. Why on earth would I consider doing home mission? Why would I consider that? Sure, we live in a Christian country. Sure, look, look at the amount of churches there are. And if you go to Ballinahenge, you go to St. Fiend, go to Crossgar, look at the amount of churches there are. We're in a mission hall here in the middle of nowhere. There's churches even here. Why do we need to go and do mission ourselves? Why do we need to be involved? Well, tonight I want to do, as I want to take a little bit of time and try and challenge you about why you should be involved in home mission, specifically home mission. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three reasons to be involved in mission. Two of them are vertical, which means we're looking upwards, and one's horizontal, looking this way. And then at the end of that, I'm just going to point out maybe why we should be involved in home mission, even more so. Okay, so you'll probably know these. I'm just going to say them very clearly. This is the first one, okay? First reason I think you should be involved in mission is a concern for God's glory. See, the glory of something is the weight of it. It's weight, it's unique worth. It's what sets it apart. It's what sets it as being really, really different and far above everything else. And God's glory is who he is. Who he is is far above anything we can ever ask or think. And the first answer for why mission is so important is because we want to be concerned about God's glory. Because we want people to see who he really is. We want others to see him as he really is. See, if you go to your school on Monday, I came through Balnehinch and I drove past St. Columbus. I've never seen that big school in my life, okay? But just saw the big massive wall at St. Columbus, right? If I go into St. Columbus on Monday, you go into your school on Monday, whatever that, down high, university, workplace, wherever it is, and you ask people there, what do they think of God? And come back in two weeks' time and tell I would imagine the majority of you would be embarrassed to share what the people in your school think about God. You'll probably say, he's irrelevant. He's a work of fiction. An old guy sitting on a cloud. He's intolerant, oppressive, misogynistic, not doing his job. Look at all the things that are going on. If you go any area in this country, if you go especially into the Republic of Ireland, you'll get a lot, thick, a lot worse than that. People describing God. And yet you and I know that that's not a true reflection of who God is. But yet, that's what they think of God. Imagine you go to McDonald's. You go to Spruceville after this, right? I don't know if you do that or not. Okay, you've gone to Spruceville after this. You're sitting at McDonald's, and all of a sudden, your friends all start talking about your best friend who's not there. And they keep saying about how they're the most selfish, horrible person. And they slate them, and they go on and on and on about how they are, and treat them almost like a complete and utter monster. You know it's not true. You know your friend's not perfect. But you do know they're kind, they're caring, they do their best to look after other people. So what would you do in that situation? You would probably speak up. I would like to think you would speak up. You'd be like, no, no they're not like that. They're really good. Okay, they get things wrong, but they're really, really good. You want the other people to have a proper understanding of who your friend is. How much more should it be for God? that we would want other people to actually see who he is. See, our main motivation for mission is that people would see who God really is, what God is really like. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, how does the Lord's Prayer start? It starts with, hallowed be thy name. In other words, holy or, or set apart, longing that others would see who God is, that actually grasp who he is. See, that's the first reason that we should be going out 
and sharing with others. Evangelism and a mission is so that people can see who God really is. We evangelize for the sake of his name. You go to Romans 1, 5, it says, for the sake of his name among the nations. You go to 3 John 7, it says, for they've all gone out for the sake of his name. How, how is glory brought most to God? Well, Ephesians 1, 6 tells us to, to the praise of his glorious grace. So when God changes and God saves people, they praise him and they glorify him. They, they give him glory for who he is. They recognize who he is. I wonder, do you actually have that? Do you have that concern, that worry? Do you care about what your friends really think? Not about you, but actually about God. Does it bother you that they think God doesn't exist? Does it bother you that they hate God and hate Christianity? See, the reason that mission is important, the reason that home mission is important is because your friends, the people that you know, don't know about God. They don't know who he truly is. They don't know the fact that he's a holy, a just, a loving God. They don't know that he's a sovereign God who controls over all. They, they, they just want to make fun of him, talk about him, slag him, ridicule him. They don't know what he's really like. The Apostle Paul had a similar situation. He, he was like that when he walked into Athens. He discovered that all the people there hadn't a clue what God was like. And we read about it in Acts chapter 17. Because when Acts chapter 17, Paul walks into Athens and what does he see? He sees a city full of idols. And you'll remember, if you if you ever go, if you even want to go read it later on, he goes in and he sees all these statues and all these idols everywhere else. And then he sees an idol to the unknown God because they're afraid of missing one out. They just made loads of idols. They didn't know what the true God was like. But what does it say in Acts 17 verse 16? Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. His spirit was stirred or his spirit was provoked. And so because he was so concerned for the glory of God, what did he do? He looked for an opportunity to share the gospel with him. He looked for an opportunity to show the people who God really was. Listen, see when you go to school on Monday, are you looking for an opportunity to share about Jesus? Do you want people in your school to know who God really is? What he's really like? What about the people in Balnehinch or St. Field or Belfast or wherever you're from? What about this summer? Are you interested in, in what they think about him? Some of, I'm assuming some of you play sport when you're in your teams in hockey, rugby, football, whatever other sports you're playing. I'm sure not everybody there knows what God's like. Not, a, not everybody there is interested. Are you concerned about the fact that they don't care? See, the first reason that we should be involved in mission, we should be interested in home mission, is a concern for God's glory. Second reason is this. It's a concern for Christ's command. See, this one also looks upward, okay? We're looking upwards. And it's a command of the Lord Jesus. We're told to go into all the world. That's what we started with, Okay. In Matthew 28, we're told to go into all the world. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Actually, quick quiz, so I'm not just talking at you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Who's going to tell me what it says? And you shall be my witnesses. Class, come on. Awesome, right? Okay, excellent. Okay, I'm presuming you'll not know the next one. Second Corinthians five eighteen to nineteen. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Him, not counting the trespasses against Him, and trusting to us the message of salvation of, of reconciliation, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation to take it out. 
to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the other most parts of the world, to go into all the world to preach to every creature, to go and make disciples of every nation. I could go on quoting verses. I could keep going on and on at it, but I think the message is quite clear. Going telling about Jesus, the good news about Jesus, is not an optional extra for you if you're a Christian. I'm assuming most of you are Christians here. If you are, it's not an optional extra. You can choose to go or not go. It's not something that you can have a debate with people about and go, I'm not sure if this applies to us today. It's plain and simple. You and I are told to go. I love reading books. Um, and there was a book I was reading last year called The Insanity of God. Okay, and it's, a, it's a book about a missionary guy. And basically it tells us about him and his wife. And they're Americans and they were looking to go out on the mission field. And what they wanted to do, they had to go and sit before their mission board and explain it all to them. And they had to share their call. And his wife began to explain about how from a child she was called to go to Africa. And she was convinced of all of this. And they got to him and they asked, and what was your call? He just said, I read Matthew 28. And they're like, the thought he misunderstood. So they began to explain, you know, you need to call to salvation. You need to call to ministry. You need to call to take the gospel to an outside country. And then you needed to call to the specific country, what country that was. And this is how he responded. He says, well, it appears to me that you've created a call to missions that allows people to be disobedient to what Jesus already has commanded all of us to do. See, you and I are called to go and to do mission. That's not an effort, but you are called to go. I am called to go. Where that is, is, is a secondary thing. But you and I are called to go. In fact, if you look at that passage that I read in Matthew 28, the verb isn't to go. The actual proper translation is in going. When you're going, it assumes that you're going. It assumes that you and I, if we're Christians, have to go. When you and I are going, we should be making disciples. And that's what it actually teaches. We're called to go and to share the gospel and to teach others to encourage them and build them up. Why is mission important? Why should you be involved in home mission? Because Jesus tells us to. He commands us to. Two reasons. Concern for God's glory. Concern for Christ's command. But then I want to give you another reason which looks this way. It's very simply. Concern for lost souls. Hudson Taylor, who you've probably heard of before, a missionary to China, said this. He says, I would never have thought of going out to China had I not believed that the Chinese were lost and needed Christ. He had a concern for lost souls and led him to give his life to mission. What about you? Maybe you're offended by the word lost. How dare you describe people as lost? We, we live in a society which is, is rightfully intolerant against people who are racist and, and terrain and against others. And we don't want any of that. We don't want people being othered. But also be wrong to not describe people as they truly are. And people are lost. That's what the Bible teaches us. That you and I are lost. Jesus describes it, makes it very clear. What does it mean to be lost? Well, John 3.16 makes it clear that those who are lost are perishing. We go to Matthew 20, Matthew 10, verse 28. It says they face destruction. We go to Luke chapter 15. We read about the lost coin. Uh, the parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. Highlighting how the coin was helplessly lost. The sheep was lost because it didn't listen. The son was lost because it didn't. He wanted to be lost. See, lost is a term that not only describes our present condition, but it also describes where we will be and what we will be like. 
John 3, 18 tells us about how Jesus came to save those who were lost. Luke 16 tells us about the rich man of Lazarus and gives us a little glimpse about what awaits those who are lost. Well, so what? Stories told of, uh, in England many, many years ago. There was a chaplain who escorted this uh, guy called Charles Pierce, who was a notorious criminal to the scaffold. It was the time when they would have executed people, okay? As I walked, the chaplain began to try and explain to him the consolations of religion, you know, pray with him and all that type of stuff. And he spoke of Christ's power to save, and the condemned man turned around and goes, do you actually believe that? Do you really believe to me what you're saying? Because if I believe that, I would willingly crawl across England in broken glass to tell every man if it was true. Do you believe that Jesus can save? Do you believe that Jesus can save the friend of yours that you sit beside in school? Do you believe that Jesus can save the people in your town and your village that other people have gave up on? The Lord Jesus talked more about hell than anyone else. Do you know why? Because he doesn't want people to go there. He died so that people wouldn't have to go there. That's why you and I have to be involved in mission. Out of concern for lost souls. You and I live in a different society. I don't need to tell you. You're at the age where you know exactly what it's like in your school. You know what reality is, that people will not voluntarily come to church. They will not voluntarily be going to things. They come into a different world. They're involved in different things. But you are there, and you're there to tell them. Romans ten fourteen says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? You're the preacher. You're the one to go out. So why do we not get involved in the mission? Why do we not actually go and tell others? Lack of concern? Maybe. Maybe a lack of concern. I would say the majority of the reason why many of us don't get involved is because we're afraid of what other people think of us. Because we have an idol, which is our popularity and what other people think of us. We're worried about what they think of us. There's another book I was reading called Honest Evangelism. It's a guy called Rico Tice from England. And he's a famous evangelist now. But he's telling a story about when he was younger. He lived in a student house. They're all rugby boys and they're all doing loads of stuff and so on. Um, but he was out speaking at churches and so on at nights and all. And he came back in from a youth night. Um, speaking at a big youth event. And he was all on fire, all buzzing and all. And the guys in his house were like, Rico, we need to talk. He's like, right. So he sat down in the living room with them. He's like, what's up, guys? And they said, look, we Google, or it wasn't Google because it was way back in cassette tapes. Somebody had given them a cassette tape of him speaking at an event. He says, we've got a recording of you speaking at one of these events. He's like, yeah. He says, do you actually believe the stuff that you're saying here in this? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course you do. And I said, well, you must hate us so much. I don't think you can live here anymore. You must absolutely hate us. He's like, what do you mean? says, if you believe that we're going to go to a lost eternity, and you've never yet told us about how we can escape that, you must hate us so much that you can't even tell us about Jesus. And it floored him completely. That he was going out preaching to all these places, and he hadn't told the people where he was. Do you have friends in school that you haven't told anything about Jesus? Do you have a concern for them? Are you interested in them? Concern for Christ's glory. Concern for God's glory. Concern for Christ's command. 
concern for lost souls, are you going to go and share the gospel with them? Maybe you're sitting going, yeah, but why home mission? Why, you know, can I not just go to the Nexus team? SIM team, I think you'd heard about SIM recently. Why can I not go somewhere like exciting? Why do I have to like do home mission? Like, we think about all the, the millions who live in poverty. We think about all the kids in Eastern Europe who haven't heard who live in poverty. Shoeless children in Africa, the, the unreached people groups, the, the people in the Amazon tribes in the jungle. What about all of them? Why do mission at home? Like, after all, in East Belfast, there is no other place. Sorry, there are more churches in East Belfast per square mile than there is anywhere else in the world. So why on earth do we need to bother going about here? Well, I don't need to tell you that we live in a post-Christian world and people aren't coming into churches anymore. It'll happen sometimes, but majority of times, you and I need to be going. You and I need to go and share the gospel. There's been such an increase of people who have come into this country from different nationalities. Now we have an opportunity to, to share to the nations without even leaving home. COVID stops us flying, but all the nationalities are here. We can share the gospel with so, so many people. But it's not even the different nationalities. This is Lurgan, okay, where I go to church, right? I go to church in Lurgan, okay? That's a dump, right? Okay, Lurgan, right? Okay. But Lurgan has about 25,000 people in it. Currently, there are 26 spoken languages in Lurgan. 26 spoken languages. We can hardly speak English, never mind the rest of them. But as you know, Lurgan's quite a divided town, always has been. And this little good news that I have here. It's down in Kilwilke, which is a strong Republican area in Lurgan, okay? I remember one week, as you can see, this is them well-behaved for a change, okay? But one week we were teaching Good News. So we're teaching the lesson of David and Goliath. And I was sort of like, you know, and David did awesome. Just there, and then he shouted out the giant's name. And the giant's name was, expecting all the children to shout out, Goliath. They are like, it's like, the giant's name was, and they're like, how the flip are we supposed to know? <laughs> I'm like, surely you've heard this before? And they're like, no. I'm like, like, how do you not know David and Goliath? How do you not know this stuff? And the reality was they had no idea. They didn't know who the first man and woman were. They know nothing. And they're less than two miles from where my church is. Two miles from at least ten other good, strong, Bible-believing churches. Do you know why? Because they're Protestant churches. They're not. They're Catholics. We didn't go. We don't go. We don't go outside our bubble. We just expect people to come in this. The Republic of Ireland is now the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. And yet, if you leave here, you could be in it in 45 minutes. That's the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. Why should we be involved in home mission? Because there's such a mission field. There is such a need. So, what about you? What about this summer for you? What about now and things you can be involved in? Will you go and will you actually share the gospel with people? Ireland has, it's now closer to 7 million. This is out of date a wee bit, okay? Even Chalical Church Alliance, sorry, that's really bad. I've done that. 20%. It's over nearly 8% of people born outside. One in 10 speak a language other than English or Irish. There are over 44 different people groups. Some of the unreached people groups in the world actually live in Ireland. 
The most unreached groups are the Jews, Malaysians, Turks and Urdus. So, so much needs to be done. But I wonder will you go and share the gospel with some of them? Loads of opportunities for you to be involved this summer. Um, next week, most of the camps for your age group will be going out publicly. Um, one of the things that will be coming out is training week, which I would like to see all of you at. Um, to anybody who's over 16, if you're under, if you're 14, 15 years, there's junior training week. If you're 16 and over, there's going to be training week, which will be launched out next week. That's an opportunity for you to be taught how to go share the gospel. Some of you have already been, okay? I know that. Um, but an opportunity for you to learn about how you can go and share the gospel with others. But then there's going to be loads of opportunities. In this area, there's going to be five-day clubs. There's going to be CA weeks. There's going to be holiday Bible clubs. There'll be camps where there's leaders needed. There's going to be areas right across Northern Ireland. The Republic of Ireland are going to need lots of work. My biggest fear for this summer is lack of volunteers, lack of helpers, because people have moved on. Will you be involved? That's from CEF, and that's only CEF. But there's Baptist Youth, PCI, Exodus, SU, BCM, so many other, Hope for Youth. So many places that need help. So many boys and girls right across our land who need help. Will you give your time? Will you go and get involved? Well, really, it comes down to a question of, do you have a concern for God's glory? Do you have a concern for Christ's command? Do you have a concern for the lost? If you do, then if God calls you, will you go? If God calls you overseas, by all means, go. Don't neglect home. Let me pray for you. Then if you have questions, I'll be about You can ask questions, you can chat about things, but let me pray first of all. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for the clarity of your word about our involvement in mission. And Lord, I pray for these young people. And I pray, Lord, that you would take them and use them for your glory. I pray for them when they go back to school or uni or, or work on Monday. I pray that you'll use them there. And I also pray, Lord, that you'll guide them. You'll make it clear what you want them to do in the summer. Take them and use them for your glory. And Father, I pray that you give them the privilege of seeing boys and girls and young people one for you. In Jesus' name, amen.